From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome to season number two of the Frosty Podcast. You heard that amazing theme song that's going to be our season two theme song by our own Vince Gorgonzola. We're going to get more into that here in a bit. But first, I want to welcome back for his second season, your favorite co-host, Tony Perenni. Derek, my ears are still ringing from that song right now. I know. That was awesome. It's amazing. It is absolutely incredible. We've been we've been listening to this song in various forms since March, uh, and, and it's just an amazing, amazing piece of art. Really is, and it's great to have Vince on today to talk about his process for making that. Because um, I think he's trying to take some of the heat off of him since he won last year, trying to take that target off his back a little bit and deflect with this with this new song that he has for the podcast, hoping it'll you know take some attention off of him a little bit. We'll see if it works. Yeah. He desperately is going to need to get back in the good graces of the rest of the, of the league. Or I have a feeling should he find himself in an ACT situation, it's going to be even worse because he won this year. Uh, I can see some guys, you know, getting a, maybe a few extra shots, especially if you heard our ACT special, Vince was pouring the shots for Ty. Definitely. I mean, if you go first to worst, uh, you're going to get a lot of extra ribbing that Ty didn't even get. Ty has been in this territory before. This is uncharted territory for Vince. So, uh, you know, we'll see how he handles being the hunted this year. Because last year kind of went in with no expectations, really flew under the radar. Now everybody's going to be gunning for him. And I can't think of a better introduction uh, than that. With a target on his back, welcome to the podcast, Vince. Gorgonzola. Arrivederci, everybody. Uh, you know, thank you so much for having me on again, and I appreciate the the wonderful intro there. I, you definitely are right. I'm trying to uh, uh, please the crowd here. I, uh, the, the the song is meant to uh, resemble some kind of battle royale that we, that this league is, and how ruthless it can be. And um, we all take a bunch of jabs at each other. And I'm I'm just uh, I'm glad that I was. Uh, uh, as a rookie coming in, normally I'm, I'm going to be drenched with a lot of the insults and, and, and it wasn't lacking, that's for sure. But uh, I was able to come out somehow unscathed last season and uh, I'm ready to ready to tackle it again. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. So let's talk about the song first uh, and then I want to get into your season. So with this song, kind of the way it came about. As we started wrapping up season one, looking into season two, and I looked back, it was back in February that we were looking at this. You know, I, I was looking for something a little bit different, and I was I was planning on just like ripping a song from from a, an artist uh, and just using that. And I thought, like, wait a minute, I have a friend who's an intern on this show who needs to to earn his keep around here who's an amazing musician. And I just uh, asked Vince, you know, Hey, can you do a theme song? I'm thinking, you know, Avenge sevenfold like, and you know, this is, this is what he creates. So Vince, what, what went into making this song? Well, you, you know, you, you gave me a lot of inspiration and, and Avenge Sevenfold uh, struck a, a good chord for me because uh, that's one of my favorite metal bands and it's one of those melodic metal bands. And so I, I instantly knew what I wanted to do in terms of, uh, um, uh, I guess, the, 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 the genre and the sound of it. Um, the, the tough part was uh, actually putting the pen to the paper, you know, um, I, I, I sat, sat there for a couple of days just racking on it and uh, picked up the guitar turn on the distortion as, as high as it can go and um, and just started chugging away and somehow chords came out and then I said, OK, that's a good starting point. Um, and then the, the other tough part was really creating lyrics for it because I wanted to try to get it to have some kind of content related to fantasy football in general, the league uh, and 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 try to, you know, it, it more talk about more about, you know, like, you know, when you, you you listen to Sunday night football, I forget if which one it is. Carrie Underwood and one of them is Monday night or Sunday night. But, uh, you know, and she gets you pumped up for the game, you know, and I think this song can get you pumped up for every week 
of watching football. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so it was uh, uh, the lyrics kind of uh, came day by day. I was, uh, you know, uh, conferring with my wife, uh, Amanda, and uh, she helped me write a couple of a uh, couple of lines. And I, I did throw a, a, an F word in there, you know, so it is explicit. So make sure that if you got kids at home uh, that, that you, you're you're uh, you're you're covering their ears with some earmuffs, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, just a couple of words anyway. But, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed doing it, and um, and I've been wanting to to actually record again for a while here, and, and it, I've finally got things set up at home for the studio. And uh, what a better time to do it than you know we, in the quarantine we create a lot of opportunity. So Vince, you're a, you're Spotify official now with this. So so everybody out there, if you go look up Vince Provenzali on Spotify, you will find this song on there. It's called Cast This Pod. Has this got the gears turning for any other content you might add to that channel? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Tony, because I think there are a couple of other podcasts where you've asked for some content uh, song wise. So I'm already uh, in the works of recording some other stuff. Uh, so Spoiler I, I, I alert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I guarantee you'll hear some more content and, and, uh, and you know, uh, as Derek, uh, has learned from putting this podcast on, uh, various platforms. Um, and this is a chance for you to, you know, uh, hoard up there, Derek. Uh, but you were on <laughs> at pretty much everywhere, you know, and, and Spotify was the hardest one for me to get onto, to be honest. All the other platforms are very easy. They happen in like days, you know? Um, but, uh, so now that I'm there though, I think the next song will drop in, in, in a matter of minutes rather than months. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you got on Spotify way faster than Derek did. So uh, <laughs> you must know something that he doesn't. Uh, yeah, which, you which, which one? In there. yeah. You got to know which link to click on, Tony. That's the hardest part. Uh, those links will always get you. <laughs> well, Vince, since you opened the door, you can listen to the Frosty Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. And if there's a platform you're looking for podcasts that the Frosty Pod isn't on, you let us know on Twitter at Frosty Pod, and we will do our best to get the Frosty Podcast in the most convenient way possible from our studio to your ears. Now, Vince, you uh, you're not new to the music scene. And, and so what what has your history with music been? Well, I, you guys have been big supporters, so you're aware of uh, my my one of my favorite bands that I've been in in my in my life so far, Par- uh, Paradox. Um, we were, um, well, I mean, I think we were on the verge of being a really really great cover band in Cleveland. Uh, you know, playing a wedding near you, but we I think we did a total of one wedding and one corporate event, so it didn't pan out the way we were planning on it, but. Uh, um, obviously, you know, that, that, it, it, that was one of the, the more polished bands I've been in for a while. Uh, but I've been playing since I was four. Uh, my dad taught me, um, guitar and then he bought me a drum set when I was five. Um, and I've been playing that. And then, uh, you know, there was a, I found a keyboard, I think at, uh, the, uh, the local, uh, Goodwill and, and brought that home and started just figuring out some chords there. And, um, did marching band all the way through college. Um, I was in DCI, uh, so I've definitely had an extensive experience when it comes to all different sorts of, uh, of bands ranging from, you know, orchestral to, um, to just rock bands and, and I've done some jazz stuff. So, I mean, all across the board, I love all types of music except for country. Um, and, uh, I, I really, you know, just try to open myself up and, and, and play, any instrument that I can sing, sing whatever I can and, and, and really put myself out of my comfort zone and continue to grow that way. And this song was actually, uh, was, was very challenging for me because, you know, playing music is one thing, but then also doing the studio work is another. And, uh, that's something I've been trying to dabble in myself as well. So, uh, gave me opportunity. Um, every, every day you just continue to grow with it. And, uh, and I, as you guys know, I've been shamelessly plugging some of my shows, um, and you guys have made it to a couple. So, um, I will continue to do so because that's what you have to do in the music industry is be a slut. Hey, listen, you have to do it in the podcast industry, too. So I fully appreciate that. Now, you yeah, dropped total, total slut life. Yeah. <laughs> now, you dropped that uh, that quick reference there to DCI. I don't think anybody other than uh, maybe Tony and I know what DCI is. So what is DCI? It's like professional marching band. And instead of getting paid, you have to pay like twenty two hundred dollars. 
Um, and then you go, uh, you go practice for a month and a half and got off of weather. I was in Madison, Wisconsin for a month and a half. Uh, I, the, the core that I, I marched with was, uh, uh, the Madison scouts, which is an all male core. There's only two of those. And I think Madison scouts just recently opened up to having, uh, um, women in there as well. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, there's one other core that, that is still all male, but it, it ranges from ages like 14 to 21. Um, and, and you basically, you can, you can do it until you're, you're within that age group. Um, and it's the best of the best There's 150 people on the field. That's it. Um, and that ranges from the horn players and it's all brass, no woodwinds. Um, and it's, um, and then it's a, there's a color guard and there's a, there's a battery, which is the drum line. And then there's also the, the front, uh, the, where they call the pit, but that's like, they have all the marimba xylophone players, sometimes, uh, some 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 people on synth and and keyboards um and so basically you take a show that you 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 practice a month and a half on fundamentals as well as uh um uh you know the actual the the piece itself and then all the 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 formations you get to do in in the marching and then you you refine it for um for another month and a half when you take it on the road and so you travel all around the country on a tour bus um, and every day you go, you practice and, uh, and then you go and you perform and you compete against all the other cores. Um, and then you just go to the next city the next day. And then you just, you keep going until you get to the very finals, uh, where, you know, you're, you have a certain pole position basically. And, uh, uh, and then you compete and you see who can win. Um, and that, that's pretty much it. And you got judges on the field that are chasing after you and they got their, uh, their sound recorders, uh, picking up every single thing that you did wrong uh and and, and judging the whole way and, and it, it's just it's, it's a lot of fun but you know when i when i got there uh the first month and a half you're you you wake up at eight in the morning you have or i'm sorry you wake up before that because you have to be on the field by eight in the morning uh you have some breakfast and then you march for four hours have some lunch march for four hours have some dinner march for four hours and then have a snack and then shower and go to bed and do that for a month and a half straight with one day for uh for for washing clothes um and then you take it on the road and then you, as you get to city to city you you know you, you're sleeping on the bus uh and you're you're getting to the next city and you march for a, a, a number of hours for practice and then you go to the the actual uh stadium and you you perform and then you get on the bus and you go to the next place um and so it's a grueling three-month period uh but and you get in the best shape of your life and then you get fat when you get when you're done with it but um <laughs> it, because you're eating like 5,000 calories and, and then you don't stop that when you're done, you know, it's a, uh, the typical athlete meal, basically. Not to mention you started off in Madison, Wisconsin, where I have to imagine you were just drunk for a hundred percent of it. Cause you know, if I know Wisconsin people, that's all they do is drink. I actually turned 21, uh, on, on tour or it was, or it was right. No, it was right before tour was done. So I actually, I uh, couldn't I can't remember was I, I I can't remember now I think I was actually on tour but it was like the week of or something like that uh, but yeah so I couldn't actually drink the whole time unless I snuck it but there were a couple people that were that were getting drunk but not many it it, it does not look good when you're puking uh, you know in 900 degree weather out there uh, and, and everybody else is watching you <laughs> They probably just expect it. Well, the staff w were puking. The staff gets hammered every single night, basically. But yeah, they got to deal with you guys for three months. That sounds yeah, miserable. Goddamn right. <laughs> and that, like, that's what I want to ask you about because I didn't know any of this existed. Like, I didn't know that was a, an option. You know, for the for the band folks, and and there's a few of us here that were banned. You know, I, I only lasted till seventh grade, but I know you know some of the coaches in our league did band through high school. Uh, but uh, I didn't, I thought you just, you know, you played in the band in high school, maybe during, you know, seasons, sports seasons in college. I didn't even know this whole world existed, which is why it's been so fascinating. Yeah, I, it, it really, I didn't know it existed either, to be honest, until I got to college and I started marching um, with and BG, which surprisingly BG has got a really nice marching band. Um, and, and pretty, I mean, I, I think better than OSU in, in some ways, um, it's more orchestral than than OSU or OSU is just loud and the drum line is really terrible to be honest. Uh, but um, I, I'm beautiful music and and musicians in general and they they the one they they got me interested into it and um, and I was like there's no way I can ever make it and I only did cymbals I wasn't like you know I wasn't in I wasn't a snare player I wasn't a horn player those are the really ridiculously good kids uh, that that are playing. Um, I just had to you know basically hold up two metal plates 
uh, for, you know, 12 hours a day um, and, and, and just have a cup, a little bit of rhythm. So it wasn't really that difficult for me, but it, it's still grueling, you know, no matter what you do. But um, it, it's just uh, to be around that many uh, musicians that they're just phenomenal. I've never I've never been around such uh, incredible. Uh, they're so skilled. They've been doing this their entire life and they're only like 15, 16. You're like. God damn! I hope you do something with this, and they all just end up becoming, uh, you know, band directors at high schools. But, uh, but really, you know, being in that gymnasium when they're practicing some of their the, like the the chorale and uh, you know the, the the songs that is no no drums, just all horns, and you just it it, it it being in there, you can feel your hairs on your arms moving. It's really it's really powerful stuff. And I would uh, suggest anybody go. There's uh, I know there's shows in Toledo every, every once a year, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, some of the big shows. Just go once and and you can go to the parking lots whenever when every one of the all the cores are warming up and you can listen to like just what they how, how they practice, how they how they get into the show itself. And then you go into the show and then you get hit with a wall of sound. And it's really it's really impressive. No, That's I, great stuff, Vince. And I, I think, uh, uh, Derek, you probably need to make some mental notes here because I think you have your next Frosty Live tour. Uh <laughs> episode here for vince for next year or uh, or sooner so. if if if, uh, if covid takes over the nfl season <laughs> yeah and so i guess great segue let's talk about a little bit of that and i don't know uh, if everybody saw the news today but uh, the miami marlins and mlb just lost was 13 players to covid uh, and when I say lost, I don't mean they died. I just mean they, they you know, 13 players uh, show positive with COVID. And so what they're doing are basically canceling Marlins games. And then the uh, Yankees was Yankees Phillies. Uh, those games are also canceled because the Miami was just in town. So, you know, we're, we're starting to see the ramifications of of this season and it's not just one or two guys. It's it's a whole group that goes down. And so what happens now is the question, you know, so they can they pull more guys up? Well, sure. But how long are we going to be doing this? And I know as as a fan of football, you don't like seeing this happen because there there's a lot more baseball players out there than football players that are ready to come up and, and fill those shoes that are that have been in you know in the minor league systems and all of that baseball to me seems more of a sport that you can kind of plug and play character plug and play players you can't plug and play quarterbacks and running backs and receivers and all of that not when it's you know 13 guys at a time uh and so tony what do you think this means for for football this season uh, it's terrible news for the NFL coming up because I, I think the NFL was definitely in a kind of wait and see mode watching what happened with Major League Baseball here because obviously NBA and NHL are both going to this bubble method where they're taking all the players to one host spot and keeping them there with nobody else getting in, nobody getting out to try and control uh, whatever comes into that bubble. But that's not the approach baseball was taking. They wanted to go with just their regular host cities and just try to uh, manage the, the clubhouse from from within each organization and each of them do their best. And uh, they made it four days before they had to cancel games. And this is this is definitely not a good thing. Um, it, it really just speaks to from a Major League Baseball standpoint. It doesn't look like there was a, really a plan in place. Um, to, to have to cancel games this early in the season and um as you, as you mentioned, the guys calling, getting called up. Uh, the issue with that right now is that in Major League Baseball, the minor leagues aren't playing. And a lot of the guys lower in the organization were cut from the organizations completely. With uh, it kind of, It's kind of up in the air whether a lot of affiliates are even going to be coming back after this year. But at, at the least, those AAA guys are not playing right now. And are just keeping themselves in shape on their own and uh, really aren't facing any pitches or uh, facing any real live action. So it's kind of putting the Marlins in a spot right now where they're kind of saying we we can't pull anybody up right now. There's nobody to call up who's who can be ready tonight. So uh, I'm not sure how long they're going to have to sit out games right here, because I, I guess if they're if they're going letter of the law, 
they shouldn't technically be playing for two weeks. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's I mean, from a medical standpoint, that, that's kind of what was always the question here. You know, what happens when uh, a team or somebody on a team and, and which will inevitably make the rest of the team uh, be exposed to it contracts this? Uh, what was going to happen? You kind of saw that on opening night, uh, Juan Soto of the Nationals uh, was he, he came tested positive for coronavirus, but then they really didn't go and test any other national players. They just kind of uh, went with the philosophy of, oh, he didn't infect anybody else. Everybody else was good, even though that was probably far fetched as well. Um, the Marlins last night, they tested positive before the game, still decided to, to play the game. Um it, it just it just speaks to how Major League Baseball had no plan for this. And then if you're just if you're following social media over the last couple of weeks, it's becoming more and more apparent that the NFL doesn't have much of a plan for this either. They kind of just let time be their plan and assumed that uh, the clock was going to run out on coronavirus before the season started and that they'd be OK to just do what they need to do with or without fans. And here we are in the United States with the number of cases continuing to rise. Um, I don't think they thought that they were going to be in this situation. And if players are contracting in major league baseball, which is a much more uh, distant sport with the way guys play, you're not really around uh, other guys frequently. Uh, how's that going to play in an NFL form when guys are hitting each other uh Constantly, snap after snap after snap, and the rosters are bigger. I just don't know how they're going to be able to pull it off um, unless they went to a bubble method, which the Players Association already decided they don't want to do. So a long-winded response to your easy question, Derek, is I'm not feeling real good about it right now. No, and I don't know how you could because you – know, so basically what, what they're doing, the Marlins are going straight from Philly to Baltimore – where they're going to play their games Wednesday and Thursday scheduled games. So if we think about the fact that people show symptoms on average, you know, three to nine days with the average being somewhere in that five to nine day range, the likelihood that everybody who's going to test positive from whatever exposure it was, they probably haven't all tested positive yet. They may not have symptoms. They may not be showing positive tests. So that number is likely going to go up. Uh, So it's going to be more than 13 from the Marlins or whatever number that they know, whether they're reporting everybody at this point or not. Now, the the big, big difference between MLB and NFL are the number of games in a week. So where you have to start canceling these games, if this was football, they would have played Sunday and you know, you find out Wednesday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that guys start testing positive. Now you can fairly isolate that. But, you know, th- these guys testing positive may have been from previous exposure before the season started. And now you're spreading it to the other teams and all that. But it, it, I'm with you. It doesn't it doesn't bode well for the NFL season. We are still a couple months away, but that that time is is shrinking quickly. So before you yes, know, we're, gonna we're, have really... people, we're gonna have we're gonna have games. We're gonna have guys going down, and it, it's it's not gonna go well. That's tough because we're really realistically about a month away from the time that we would be drafting for this league, um, and right now it, with, with this hitting really at the end of July, it's kind of up in the air with all these teams coming into training camp right now. Uh, These guys are going to be tested on a daily basis from their training camps. So hopefully they're doing the right things off the field and are just going or just really just staying at their facilities, um, not going out and, uh, you know, getting food where they're not supposed to get food from going out at night, um, you know, high risk types of behaviors um, that I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure that the baseball guys aren't doing in some in some form. I've, I've already heard some stories about um, baseball players Ubering in girls and stuff like that. Um, I guess boys will be boys type thing. And when you have even more of them in an NFL setting, I'm just I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to uh, monitor them all and keep them all uh 
on the right path there. Um, I, I think the vast majority of them will stand in line and take it seriously, but I think you might have a couple knuckleheads in each, each locker room that don't take it seriously and might ruin it for everybody else. So it puts us in a tough spot with the draft coming up soon. Um, and then, then all of us really just starve for sports at this point and just hoping and hoping and hoping that we get the NFL because that's kind of been, you know, the one thing we've been holding on to out there in the distance through all this coronavirus madness that's been going on for the entire year is that, well, we're going to get football at the end of all of this and it's, it's going to be even more glorious uh, to come out of this and to, to have that ready for you. And it's starting to look more and more in doubt, which uh, is not good for morale in, in a country where morale was already really low right and, and you consider you know and obviously the the health and safety of of society in general is is number one but you think about local economies and all of that we already know that that fans won't won't likely be in stadiums at, it's at least the beginning of the season probably foreseeable future until we get a vaccine or or some type of breakthrough so you know, all your local bars and all of the restaurants and all of the 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 influx of cash that come into these cities and even, you know, uh, places like, you know, Austin Town, where we're we're an hour plus away from an NFL city, either Cleveland or Pittsburgh. You know, those sports bars are packed on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays watching games. All of that goes away when there are no games on Saturdays and Sundays. And so there's going to be a lot of impact throughout. I know I've heard, I've heard multiple places like what, you know, it's dumb to risk the spread of virus for something as, as silly as sports. And on the surface, I absolutely agree with that, but deeper down, you know, there's a lot of economic ties to sports at this level, especially when you start talking about football, college football and professional football. Again, not that not that necessarily economy is more important than safety. I don't want to paint that picture, um, but you know, if if you end up in Great Depression style economy, there was a lot of impact to health and safety because of economic turmoil. So it is it is more complicated than just saying we'll cancel everything, um, you know, shut everything down. Not to make this like a, a you know, a, a somber or potentially political discussion, but um, th- it, it does become more challenging when you just say, well, shut it down until it's gone, uh, recognizing that there's going to be years of of backlash of consequences from that type of decision. So I don't envy the folks who have to sit there in those rooms and decide whether or not games are canceled, seasons are canceled. I, I, I'm I'm glad I'm not in that position because I don't know what the right answer is. And, and anybody who tells you they know what the right answer is, they don't. Absolutely. And then football is does just such a massive part of the fabric of America. So it's very evident as to why they want to, to play as badly as possible, because it's not only uh, you mentioned that obviously the health uh, issues going on out there, the economic side, but just the, the mental, emotional, psychological side of it too, where people are just grasping for some sense of normalcy at this point. And for a massive, massive amount of the population, you know, watching games on Saturday and Sunday in the fall is that's what they do. That is their normal. And uh, just the, the idea that they might be robbed of that. I know just me personally, you know, I'm, I'm pretty used to uh, hanging out with Vince on Sundays and drinking way too much beer and eating way too many wings for these Browns <laughs> games. And I, that might be in jeopardy right now. And I don't like it. I, I have been uh, uh, practicing though. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be in mid season form just in case. Have to. <laughs> And I mean, to be honest now, I mean, it, it, it before it wasn't as uh, prominent, but now it seems like the whole league is uh, into smoking cigars. So I, I think we've been doing a bang up job this year uh, prepping for that as well. The, 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 the post game celebration cigar. That's going to be a whole nother frosty laugh episode. As long as Derek stays in that phase. Yeah. We'll have to get the commissioner with, uh, you know, the ruling on whether the punch cut really scientifically is proven to be better. I don't know. I haven't, I'm not buying it yet. Frosty pole, put it up in the notes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, so Vince, you know, last year, back to, back to fantasy football. So Vince, last year you come in, you're a rookie in the league, never have done an auction draft before. Uh, and I think as you were starting to spend some of this big money, we were just like, what is this dude doing? And then uh, Dave Pesci and I rode together to and from the draft. And as we're driving home, I'm looking at the recap and I'm like, you know who put the best roster together was Vince, like all these guys up at the top. And it was pretty much like if Vince can stay healthy this year, he's going to do really, really well. And I mean, Pat Mahomes went out of his mind. Uh, you know, you drafted him for a lot of money this year based on his his performance the year previous in the 2018 season and he, he far surpassed it and it you know got himself a mega deal for it and and so you know as you look into and we talked a little bit about the ACT you know during the ACT party what your strategy was going to be uh, are you going to develop a strategy or are you just going to kind of see what comes to you on draft day well, I know that whatever, uh, you know, whatever anybody puts an offer up on because Mahomes, I'm not going to keep him, um, you know, but I, I do know that I will pay big money again for him. So I don't care what Dave or Ty, you know, Ty, <laughs> Ty is going to obviously put a huge amount on him now. Um, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to pay it. Um, it's worth it. And and even with a freaking broken kneecap, he came back and still won me, uh, the, you know, the league this year. So uh, Mahomes is obviously the, the big one. Barkley. Barkley can eat a dick. Not going to spend another uh, dime on him, um, especially when I have so many great running backs from Tony. So, I, you know, I really I think that I'm just going to go with my same strategy is is I'm going to spend money where where I think it's worth spending money. And uh, and the other spots, I've what I learned very quickly, and especially with only a 10 person league, if it was like 12 or 14. You have to be a lot more careful, I think. But with a 10 person league. Uh, you, you can, you can make a couple mistakes and make up for it because by the end of the whole thing, I was like, oh shit, I still have a lot of money. And, and I was, and I, and I spent it on some big players already. And then I, and then I kind of skimped on a couple. Um, so I, I think really, um, my, my suggestion to anybody else out there, obviously, cause I'm a pro at, uh, these kind of <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is you know spend the money where you think it's worth it. It, it, it there's no point in buying that you know made in china uh sofa when you know it's going to break in three years with that particle board get the really freaking legit sofa and and ride it out you know for the rest of the season so Vince, you really only looked at your keepers over the last hour or so we put this together very quickly before showed you the value of all your guys have you decided which of my running backs are to keep yet <laughs> well unfortunately i can only keep three people and one of those has to be your kittle as well so i'm i'm, I'm kind of screwed That's right there <laughs> I, I mean, I so I, I think one of the biggest questions for me, I, I, I've narrowed down my team. Um, obviously, Mahomes and Barkley, I overpaid. Gonna throw them back out in the in the water, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go after Mahomes, uh, Barkley. I'm I, that I think people are gonna be a little more hesitant to to draft him, but he's still a beast, you know. But is he really worth seventy one dollars? I don't think so. Uh, Tyler Lockett and 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 or uh, and Tyler Boyd, you know, the 26 and $25 to draft or to keep next year. Obviously no way I'm going to keep them at that, at that price. I can get some good receivers otherwise. Um, and then, then really is the, the, the biggest ones on my team, I think to keep, I mean, Kittle is obviously uh, a, 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 a no brainer, 11 bucks to keep them. That's just, that's just, uh, if I, if I, if I didn't, I, I might as well just start prepping for the ACT right now. But, um, then in the three running backs, I'm really struggling with here. I mean, so I got, Eckler, Austin Eckler, who was just not supposed to be anything last year, but you had the whole uh, I, um, I'm totally drawing a blank on the the other running back's name that he took his place, basically. Um, Melvin Gordon, uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, you know, he he was a uh, contract dispute all year. And Eckler was like, yeah, sure, I'll take all the snaps. And in fact, I'll also do all the cast, uh, the pass catching. And uh, and I just rack up points every single week. He saved me last year. So I appreciate that. Right there. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, especially right now, the situation looks like I think Eckler is going to get a, a pretty nice role on that team. Um, I would anticipate that I keep him. Um, Kenyon Drake, he exploded at the end of last year. And I really think that, um, I, I mean, I don't know, this year might be completely different uh, with the Cardinals, but I, I, I really think Drake is a pro possible uh, keeper as well. And then there's Connor. 
um, you know, that, that uh, Steve gave me and, uh, and he's only 11 bucks. And I mean, if I know he was hurt all last year and, you know, now the Le'Veon Bell situation is kind of uh, uh, dimmed a little bit. Ben, Big Ben might be back. And, and so Connor might have a lot more value than he did last year, even though I thought he was still worth keeping all of last year, too. Um, and so all three of these running backs are 11 bucks, 12 bucks to keep. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I have a lot of options, really. Um, so I'm struggling figuring out that. Um, and I mean, really the only other person on my team that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, is, is Kareem Hunt, to be honest, he's only eight bucks, but with, uh, with the situation of the Browns, I don't think he's worth that, uh, to, to, to remove one of those other keepers to keep him just because he's eight bucks. I think I can still throw him back out there and get him again if I need to. Tony, let me ask you, what do you think Austin Eckler's role is going to be? In L.A., because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be there yet. Well, assuming Tyrod Taylor's going to be the starter, at least at the beginning of the year, I expect there to be quite a bit of pass catching work for Eckler right out of the gates. Um, If you think back to when Taylor was the starting quarterback for the Bills for those couple years, Anthony Lynn, who is now the head coach of the Chargers, he was the offensive coordinator for that team, and they used – uh, Shady McCoy extensively out of the backfield. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to fit Eckler in some sort of role like that, though I don't expect him to get the amount of rushing workload that, that Shady gets. But I, I definitely think he's going to be handling a good deal of the passing load. And in a PPR league, uh, that definitely matters. You don't necessarily need to be on the field all the time. But if you're the one who's going to be the primary recipient of a lot of that passing yardage, uh, then you're going to be a major player in our league. So I, I don't at all uh, object to to uh, Vince's thought process of keeping him. Um, I think if he stays healthy and stays on the field, which he did a really good job of last year, uh, I think he could put up some major points uh, through the air and really be a, a good weapon in, in this PPR league. So Vince, you know, Patrick Mahomes was a stud for you. And actually, surprisingly, I'm looking, he's a seventh ranked quarterback. Uh, and I think part of that was due to missing some games with the injury. But, you know, you said you weren't going to keep him. He would have cost you. I lost it. Was it 29, 29, 29. Uh, so, you know, you don't you don't think he's worth 29. What what price would you pay for for Patrick Mahomes? 28. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you already said you beat anybody else on the price. Right. So it's going to be 50. <laughs> I'm an excellent negotiator. So, keep him for 29. <laughs> yeah, the challenge is that I, I, I if I'm going to spend my money, I'm going to spend it on my homes and the the other places where I'm going to I'm going to spend the money on my homes no matter what. So, um, you, you know, I, I think the other players I keep that I have a lot more money in my pocket to spend on my homes. And, and then and, and rather than trying to, and, you know, I mean, there's still trades that can happen, too. So who knows? I mean, I know Tony's lurking out there in the corners just waiting to trade for me to get all his players back. And I, who knows what he's going to give me? Yeah, Tony I'll give you some fresh ones this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony you need, need cool. that roster replenish. Yeah. Just, just to uh, just, just to add some context for the viewers out there, we were putting, we were going through his roster right before this, and just going quickly going through the keepers, and literally eighty percent of the roster, I just like looked at my team and my draft from last year and just reading off guys. <laughs> like you got this guy and this guy and this guy. Like, what did we do? Three trades last year, Vince. It was three trades. The only one that didn't pan out, literally, not trade wise, player wise, was Geis. You you sold that trade. Uh, I forget who it was in total, but you said Darius Geis. This is the next. You know, this is the up and coming running back, and and as long as he can stay healthy. And guess what? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the double ACL tear. <laughs> Can't get any worse than that. I mean, and and and, and you're like, oh, that's not looking good. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, the last deal we made, it was a three player for three player one. I sent three guys your way. I think I sent Drake, Beckham, and like Mike Williams, or, or was it Boyd? It was Boyd. It was Boyd. Yeah, and all three of them go off, and the three guys I get, all three of them will go down with the injury the very week I trade. <laughs> it, it, was, it was ridiculous. I lost all three of the guys I traded immediately upon hitting my roster. <laughs> I had two people to thank for winning last year. You're one of them. Um, and, and wasn't it wasn't it Joe 
that it was the one it was literally like one play that sealed the deal for me to uh to 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 to, to get into the bye week yes um, it was the kyle rudolph touchdown that put joe into the playoffs yeah. <laughs> joe in the playoffs gave me the bye week and then i sucked a bag of dicks in the bye week Yes, you did. If you didn't have that bye week, you, you would have lost that week for sure. And, uh, we, we'd be talking about the lessons you learned last year, not, yeah. not having a target on your back. But of course, I planned it all out, obviously. <laughs> so Vince, you saw, you saw the ACT in action this year, first time in our league. Does that give you... Any more nervousness going into this next season now that you know it's a real possibility? I will tell you that um, it, it it was a, the, the the format um, was a little bit even less unfavorable, uh, or I should say more unfavorable for uh, um, for time. I mean, really, you, you think about going into Fourth of July party mode, and and you have to take a goddamn. T- ACT test. I mean, he he still ate some good food and he got really drunk, and that's the whole purpose. And then he passed out in Derek's basement floor. I think that was the way to 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 live out the the Fourth of July. But uh, half the time he was missing the beautiful sun, and he was inside taking a test. And um and while it, you know, like I said, it was still a lot of fun. Um and I think regardless of how we do it the next year, hopefully not a COVID situation. Um, I, I it, everybody can have fun with it. But it's definitely, um, you, you know, it, you, it's it's not the ideal situation. But at least what I know is that I'm going to be there no matter what. And um, and if it's me taking a test, then I'm going to I'm going to go in guns blazing. I'm going to do my best and try to get at least a 22. I got to beat my my old ACT score by one. <laughs> well, that's the that's the other trick of it. And it, we were we were at Joe's house, not mine. I don't uh, I don't have a basement. Oh, shit. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I, I, I got really drunk. I forgot where I was. It's the whole thing. Um, Weren't you driving? <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, remember, I, I Ubered home and my Uber got canceled last second. That's right. That's right. You're playing Uber games. Uh, so with with Ty taking it and then scoring a 27, do you think that makes this tests a little bit more daunting knowing that, you know, I, in my mind, if he would have gotten, you know, a 17, you'd be like, okay, well, like if I get a bad, bad score, then, then so be it. But like Ty beat a lot of the group when they were in high school. And does that put more pressure on this test now? Oh, it absolutely raised the bar and it, and it, it, I mean, it sets a precedent. Um, and, and I think for sure what we've all learned from this whole situation is that you better study for the goddamn math portion. Nobody gets into Dave Peston. <laughs> He's been trying to tell you guys all year long what, what to do for the math portion. And it's, and Ty still bombed it. I mean, that, that's a, it was hard. We looked, we were all sitting around the table trying to figure out what the hell questions were being asked. And we're like, well, the answer is clearly D and, and, and or I'm sorry, the answer is not one of the five choices here. And, and it was OK, well, got to just draw out of a head at this point. <laughs> he ended up with a 17 in math, which, which honestly, to Ty's credit, I can't believe he did as well as he did in each section um, other than the math. The math is about where I expected the whole test to be, you know, high teens, low 20s. And when he starts churning out these, you know, 30s in each in, in some of the sections, it's like, oh, boy, like Ty is on fire. <laughs> Jack fire, actually. <laughs> <laughs> More specifically. <laughs> what do you get in the science one? Like 32? Yeah, you got a 32 in science. Oh. And so, you know, as we were kind of sitting there talking about it. Thinking about it more and more, it makes a little bit more sense, right? So you have the English portion, which there's a lot of repetition there. So folks who who learned grammar well, who and I don't even know if that was grammatically correct how I just said it, (laughs) but, you know, learned that fairly well in high school. That probably has stuck with them. The reading section, you would you would kind of assume you got a little bit better. Your vocabulary just by living life has increased. Uh, Your reading comprehension potentially has increased. The math section is always going to be the tricky part because it's a lot of very specific knowledge. But the science section, and this is the thing that I undervalued, is a lot of data analysis. And so for somebody like Ty, who spends a lot of time 
doing data analysis, his brain is fairly wired that way at this point. The other thing is it's testing a lot of critical thinking skills. And in brain development, as we take this test when we're 16, 17 years old, our, our brains aren't fully developed. They develop later on and a couple years later. And so looking back at this at, at being you know between the ages of you know 28 and, and, and 33, 34, we've everybody's developed a little bit more since they took it in high school. And so that those critical thinking skills are better now than they were then. So it's it's still surprising that he did as well as he did, but kind of with hindsight looking back, it's not as surprising as it initially was to me. I don't know. How do you guys think? Were you guys surprised looking back on it? Yeah, I definitely was. I I- but I guess the science one, you're right, does make a lot of sense on the data analytics side and also just the use of charts that they have. I remember that from when, uh, I was taking that in high school. It was like every single problem had a graph or a chart, um, which really tripped me up back then. But now being in the finance world like Ty is, I, I could definitely see where I mean, almost everything he does is probably looking at charts or, or creating charts now uh, in his job. So it's probably just second nature for him at this point. Um, but the fact that he was able to do that after that many shots, because it was the last test he took <laughs> after a pretty big dinner, it just made it even more impressive to me. Because even, even if you are wired for that stuff, then there's a lot of other variables going into play there. So uh, major kudos to him there. Vince, what are your thoughts on that? I, well, I, I, all I know is that simply uh, I know I'm not going to do that well. Uh, um, so I, I, I will start studying and I'm going to primarily focus on the math and the rest will be the rest. You know, hopefully I don't have to take it, obviously, but um, thoroughly impressed. I thought he did way better than than I, I, I even even with having the you know, I, I, I studied for accounting classes and finance classes. But I get questioned at work sometimes for some of the things I learned in college. I'm like, well, I got to bust out that book again. So, you know, you, you, you don't use it every single day. And, and even if you have that, that sharpened skill in your mind, it's, it's still not taking a test. You know, it's, it, you have, you have an option, an opportunity to bounce ideas off of other people and, uh, that you're working with. And, and yeah, I don't know what I did learn the most though, was, uh, one of two things, um, Derek, uh, and Laura make some bomb ass ribs. <laughs> um, and that probably had an influence on on Ty's uh, score there. Um, and two, uh, the commissioner lost a little bit of credibility not having uh, you know proper equipment where the computer died halfway through. I, that that is just uh, I who knows what the score could have been if that didn't happen. I don't even know exactly what what happened because I wasn't there. I just heard the the aftermath of it. But I I assume he had to take part of that test again. He had a little time to rethink some of those questions. Maybe I'm not. Not putting Ty down. I think he still did a fantastic job, but, you know, come on. Well, to that point, you know, Ty, it happened during the science section, which is the last of the tests. And he got to about 15 minutes left. And he we asked him what question he was on. And he was not not very far into it. It's a 35 minute test. I think, you know, 20 minutes in with 15 minutes to go, he was only halfway through it. And then the computer, go, basically what happened is the computer wouldn't show any of the graphs anymore. So they had to restart the computer and ended up taking the same. Um, there's There were four different versions of the science portion. And so he took the same science portion. So for about half of those questions, he was seeing them a second time. So he was able to go faster through them and I think caught a couple mistakes. Now he scores a 32 on the science section. So it's not, I, I highly doubt he went from like a 20 to a 32, but did it bump his score from a 29 to a 32 from a 30 to a 32? I don't know. Overall though, still super impressive. I'm not going to take it away from him, but yeah, we, we, we wanted a little bit more out of team Reedy on that one making sure that the computer was set up. However, to Team Reedy's credit, they operated in the Lennox operating system so that Ty couldn't go into uh, you know, Google Chrome or what have you and start looking up answers. So good foresight by Team Reedy uh, and our commissioner for making sure that we had integrity in that exam and the dirty cheater Ty didn't go and look up all these answers. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it just backfired on him when the graphs couldn't load in Linux. But you, yeah. you know, I think uh, that I now that I realized uh, how late in the day it was, it probably was almost to Ty's. Uh, um, you know, it was he probably more time meant that he was just going to make more mistakes because. I mean, he was it, the liquor just starts to really just flow through your body a little bit more, a little bit more every hour. So that probably actually hurt him, to be honest. Well, yeah. And at that point, you figured added almost an hour onto his overall testing experience from trying to troubleshoot the graphs uh, to then finally giving up on it, restarting and then restarting the 35 minute portion of the, of the science section. I think he pretty much took the vast majority, if not all the time. So it added on about an hour to his to his testing where his mind had to be as sharp as possible with how many shots and cans of beer he had at that point. That's what I was just about to say. If I got to the point where I was only at 15 minutes left and then it bombed out and I had to start the whole thing over again, I would be so pissed <laughs> at that point. Because uh, <laughs> at that just, point, you're just ready to be done and go join the party and then you all of a sudden have another hour that <laughs> you have to sit down and do that again. Uh, that might work to his detriment. Luckily, he was able to focus and uh, still turn out that 32 because uh, I, I realistically might have shut down in that instance and just started filling in bubbles to get done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so it is pretty point. nice to be it's pretty nice at this point to be uh talking about this in past tense and having having seen this take place we finally got to see the act because remember at this point last year we were asking everybody we had on here derek you know is the act penalty too harsh we've never had anybody do it or what what are some alternative punishments and now it's kind of nice to to know that our punishment uh works pretty well we've seen it in action and it, it and we have some people in this league that can still thrive under it you know i think i think it was good though that we had those conversations because through that we made the change from being in the high school to doing it the way we did it at a party um, again, the, the the intention was to do it at a March Madness bar style. COVID obviously did away with that. But I think that was an important change for this league. And I think it was for the better because if, if Ty would have had to take that in the high school, it, it would have been separate from everybody else. Uh, it, it would have been a Saturday morning. We may have done something, you know, gone out to breakfast or, or brunch or whatever and, you know, dropped them off, picked them up. We would have had a little bit of fun with it, but it was fun watching him sweat a little bit. It was fun seeing the seeing the scores come in, all of that and kind of getting that instant gratification with the scores versus having to wait for the test to be scored. So I really like the change that we made as a league to do that live at a party uh, as opposed to in the high school. And I think realistically, if we would have done it that way, I can see a Jordan Pennell having taken that test. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we may have done that and we've said it before, if, if Pennell, you know, wants to go back on the waiting list to come into the league, he has to take, you know, he can work, do it under the new rules, but he's got to take that test exam test again. But I, I don't foresee anybody backing out of it at this point with Ty having done it. Uh, you know, the, the format we have now, I don't foresee anybody else backing out. And I'm glad we didn't completely scrap the ACT idea because I do like it. Now, the question I want to ask, though is what percent chance do you put on Ty being the one taking it again next year? Vince, we'll start with you. 95%. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. Is he going to draft three tight ends again? Likely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use this tight end for 22 bucks. Ty, they're a backup. That's fine. 22. <laughs> but I'll put myself in the other five percent, you know, because it's just that's that's going to be my luck. I think next year is that no matter what I what I'm going to do is that uh, I'm going to I'm going to have some injuries and and uh, and it's it's going to I'm going to the luck's going to start turning the other way for me and um and I'm I'm going to start prepping right now. I'm going to tell you that much right right now. I'm gonna, math is uh, uh I'm going to start reading the books, reading the books. <laughs> Yeah, we should probably start prepping for the SAT for Ty next year. I'm just <laughs> looking through his roster right now, and knowing, knowing the unorthodox draft tactics he tends to have, um, it, it's not looking great. I would uh, probably pencil his name into that <laughs> a toilet bowl trophy for a year or two, back to back. Uh, can it happen? I, I think it can. 
Well, then it becomes a competition versus himself on score. Like, can he outscore a 27? You know, we're, we're going to give him different versions of that exam, but can he get a 27 again? Can he get better or is he going to get worse? And that's going to be a fun thing to track as Ty takes this, you know, four out of the five years, we expect Ty's going to be in that seat. If fast forward five years from now, he starts his own ACT test prep company and making, they're making millions of dollars. So he's so familiar with it. Nobody in the history of ACT has taken it as many times as I have. So sit down, you little shitheads. Let me tell you what the test is like. I think we have a new live read to start the year off. I'll, you, I'll let him draft it. Are you taking the ACT test? Well, sit down, shut up, and let Tyler Kerr tell you about the test. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, uh, Mike Engine Throne is going to be the uh, the new member of the league. He's taken over Joe Reedy's roster. And he mentioned it at the ACT party that, you know, Vince, you've really set the bar high coming in first year in an auction draft you know, not being this football guru that, that some of the members of our league are and coming out with that, with that championship. And, and so how, how, how do you respond to that and any advice for Mike coming in brand new to the league? Well, I think he needs to make a splash um, when, you know, during draft. And I, I, I think he just needs to, to really shock the world and uh, probably spend about like 15 bucks on a kicker. Um, and, defense. and and prove to everybody that that tactic might work and you know if your kicker is giving you 10 tw- i mean what, what was that i think steve's was uh what was that one game that he had like i don't know 20 points or something like that it was something ridiculous and uh uh you never know you never know what uh what you might get for somebody that you just you just don't know uh, they, they, the Austin Ecklers of the world, you know, where they, they can they can really pull forward for you. So make some splashes in in the in the draft. Make some splashes in trade. Don't be afraid to. Uh, and you don't want to be conservative in this in this league. You have to be aggressive in order to uh, to get the best deals out there. So um, and if I mean worst case scenario, you lose and you take the test, and then you're just like I'm not a rookie anymore. <laughs> He's got to outbid Ty for those kickers first off, though. It's going to spend a lot of dough. Yep. <laughs> well, you got to you got to worry about the kickers coming down with COVID. They're more susceptible than anybody else on the team for obvious reasons of Why? being loners. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that put them in a better position? <laughs> yeah, it would. That was the sarcasm there, Vince. Oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> Commodore Perry is uh, my friend over here. The other 5%. <laughs> so Vince, you, you hinted at it. Um, the group has recently, uh, you know, really come together as a, as a cigar loving group. Uh, so tell us about a, a recent cigar you enjoyed. Well, I don't have my uh, my notebook handy, um, uh, which I, I have been documenting all my notes. I, I don't really recall because I'm always have at least three uh, handfuls of whiskey deep. Um, uh, and, and so it's always it's, it's always a rough one to wake up and go, what the fuck did I do last night? And then you, see, you read your notes, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. That was quite earthy. That cigar had a lot of nut in it. Um, and so uh, I, I don't I don't recall the name of the cigar specifically. But I recall the occasion, and that was uh, a wonderful night at Tony's, again, where uh, sitting on his patio talking about God knows what until four in the morning. Um, the last time I had three cigars in, in, in total, actually, because the uh, Tony's were, were drawing pretty slowly. Mine were drawing really quickly, and I ran out before Tony was done. So uh, that was a, that was a kind of situ- uh, excuse me, a situation that I had to deal with. Um, but uh, they got better as the night went on. And I promise that wasn't because we were uh, doing McAllen 12. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I will say that I, I, I did the, the guillotine slice uh, every time and not the, the, the whole punch because we have yet to invest in one. But um, scientifically, I still I'm just not convinced yet that that is the better punch, uh, the better cut. It, you know, it's uh, um, I I I. I you got to suck on your cigar a little bit just to get all the leaves out and then you spit them out before you actually light it. And then it's good to go. Yeah. Well, I see you, you showed in the group here. Uh, it's called timeless was the one cigar. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the time was memories. <laughs> the timeless Supreme. 
So yeah, it was a, it was a really tough draw actually. Um, it it, it um. It, it was it was very uh, very tightly wrapped and um, but overall it had a lot of flavor very very bold um, and it, it was it, it I think it was uh, a pretty good burn just uh, very tough to I had a I had a pull a lot of my lung power into that one and uh, and, and 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 reel in the smoke but it was um, it, it really went nicely with the uh, McAllen um, and and I think you know. For, for the next one, I, I probably won't do the timeless again. Um, I'm probably going to do a little bit more of a of a lighter leaf. Um, and um, do I really know what I'm talking about? No, I'm bullshitting right now. I have no idea. Well, I was impressed I'm, you could pull out uh, flavor notes there because I, I cannot do that. No, I was just I, once again, I was bullshitting. I, I, oh, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Derek, he's just filling in numbers. <laughs> well, that's, I was, I'm looking at his notebook here and he's got like, you know, uh, you know, the flavor notes and it's, you know, which third of the cigar has different, uh, different notes. And I'm like, oh man, like, I'm not sure I could pick out nut versus leather versus earth. Uh, but he's got them all filled in here. But if he's just taking this like a science, you know, an ACT science portion bubble test where he's just filling in numbers, then, you know, whatever. You do you, bro. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean that section where I'm supposed to fill out? There's that. That means the third of the cigar that has that, not one to three in the rating chart. Oh, bro. Are you serious okay, right so now? One hundred percent serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, cigars cigars change flavor as you go. So the first third have certain flavors. I think I, re- I need a redo Second with third. the first ten cigars I've had in that notebook. <laughs> All your notes are trash now. You gotta go back to it. <laughs> Start over. Oh man, I've been telling people like, oh no, Vince seems like a real cigar guy. Like he knows his stuff. And no, no, he doesn't. He just likes no, bubble tests. No, I enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, we just smoke, do- them <laughs> smoke them frequently. I smoke them frequently, and I need I need a doodle while I'm drinking and smoking. That's uh, otherwise my brain's gonna turn into mush. I get it. So I like to do the crossword puzzle as I as I uh, enjoy a cigar. So uh, you got to keep your That's brain occupied. For me. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hey, I got a I got the one of those little uh, monkeys that hits the symbols. I think that's more up your alley. Oh, I've got one of those too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Vince, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. We really appreciate the song. And again, tell everybody where they can catch your your cast this pod song. On Spotify, it's probably the best uh, way to go. Um, and you just search my name. Uh, not to be confused with Vince Gorgonzola. Vince <laughs> um, if you search me on Facebook, you can find that. And, uh, and good luck on the spelling. But cast this pod is where you can find the full length version um and you know please just put it on repeat and let it just go all day you don't even have to listen to it and give me some uh, I, I think i get like a penny every uh thousand listens so uh, <laughs> looking forward to some of that revenue coming in yeah well i'll tell you i had that exact scenario i was showing somebody the the song and didn't realize it was just like playing on repeat for hours so uh, i'm happy to contribute to that revenue stream. I, I appreciate that. It's, it's, um, you know, it's funding the next project. Derek's got you halfway there. So. Yeah, at least, <laughs> at least. <laughs> and if anybody goes out of the country, make sure you listen to it. Out, you know, I mean, I mean, we do have actual listeners in Belgium and Ireland. I'm sorry. That's, uh, sorry. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, big shout out to those listeners in Belgium and Germany right now. <laughs> that one guy that downloaded one pod in Belgium, we appreciate you. <laughs> and John Bartel, big hello to you too. He's Hope you're with a, us for season. He's just a cool guy, man. He's just a cool guy. <laughs> All right, thank you everybody for listening to our season two premiere. We're going to have these dropping weekly. We're not going to be able to get through everybody before the season starts, but within the next 10 weeks or so, you're going to catch everybody in the league, uh, including our new coach, Mike engine throne, as well as some of our favorites. Uh, everybody pretty much except Steve, uh, who will be on to talk about their teams and, and what their plan is coming in 
to the season. But for Tony Perenni, I'm Derek Frost. Thank you for listening to the Frosty Podcast. We are from Steel Valley Media. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. Thank you to Vince Gorgonzola. Make sure you listen to Cast This Pod. And of course, a thank you to our other intern, Dave Peschin. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.